The epistle for the first Sunday of Advent is taken from St. Paul's epistle to the Romans, the 13th chapter. Brethren, knowing the time that it is now the hour for us to rise from sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is past and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and impurities, not in contention and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 21st chapter. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, There shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, by reason of the confusion of the roaring of the sea and of the waves, men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole world. For the powers of heaven shall be moved, And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and majesty. But when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is at hand. And he spoke to them a similitude. See the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth their fruit, you know that summer is nigh. So you also, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen, I say to you, this generation shall not pass away until all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. These words are taken from the epistle of today's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Isn't it astounding how children, the innocent and the young, can often see things much more clearly than adults? Adults can sometimes have bias can have preconceived ideas or agendas. Whereas for children, life is simple, and frequently they can pierce into the truth more quickly. At St. Pius V School in Long Island and St. Anne's Academy in Minnesota, the sisters see this fact on a daily basis. They see this when they encourage these young souls to practice virtue. The sisters, in their zeal to make these children holy, suggest to them, more specifically, ways to make sacrifices to prepare for Christmas. They tell the children that the sacrifices are presents that they can give to our Lord for his birthday. And the children easily grasp this concept. It's someone's birthday, they need presents. So at the beginning of Advent, 
the sisters will start a project for the students. For one project, the class may decorate a large stocking, putting our, lower, our Lord's name on it. They design it with cotton balls, glitter, and pieces of material, and they hang it up in their homeroom and in a prominent place. Then, through the day or even at home, the children seek out ways to do something difficult, to make some sacrifices for the Christ child. For each sacrifice they make, they then put a small laminated present, green and red with a little bow on it, to present it to our Lord and put it in his stocking. It is a beautiful thing, and I've even seen candy bars being put into the stocking. A candy bar which a child must have saved from lunch and wanted to offer to the infant Jesus. Another project the little ones do is called the Manger Project. The class puts the whole nativity scene together with all the figurines, the, the stable, the shepherds, the donkey and the ox, Our Lady and St. Joseph. And then they also put in an empty manger. They wait until Christmas, the coming of our Lord, to put the Christ child in that crib. But that's only the first step. The sisters let the children feel the manger, the hardwood, the stiff and splintery crib. And the compassionate children immediately think of how the wood would prick and hurt the skin of the Christ child. And the sisters agree, well, you're right. And this trough for animals, this wooden manger, is far too hard for our Lord. And so, Sister explains, we need to do something so that we can welcome Him, our Lord, more properly. We need to fill the manger with hay. She then tells them, and we can do this, we can add hay to make the manger more comfortable with each of our sacrifices. With that goal in mind, the children are so eager to make our Lord comfortable, they immediately start looking for any sacrifice they can make, little pieces of garbage to pick up. They want to share their own things with all of the others. They want to make little acts of kindness to one another especially the secret ones that no one sees. Any sacrifice possible, they are on the lookout. True at times, fallen human nature being what it is, a child might forget the goal and start to complain about one thing or another. But all sister has to say is, would you like to make this sacrifice for the baby Jesus? and the child is already on his or her way to put hay into the crib. You can be sure that it frequently happens that when the statue of the Christ child is finally put into the manger scene on Christmas, sometimes there is so much hay that sister has to secure our Lord on top of the pile by some string. 
My dear faithful, the first man ever to have this spirit of anticipation for the coming of our Lord was the very first man on earth, Adam. You see, after the fall, mankind was doomed. He was doomed to suffer eternal punishment on account of sin. But God did not abandon mankind. In fact, he promised that a Redeemer would come to save mankind from sin. We know that from the Baltimore Catechism, it says, God did not abandon man after he fell into sin, but promised him a Redeemer who is to satisfy for man's sin and reopen to him the gates of heaven. That Redeemer was, of course, our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And thus, for 4,000 years, mankind waited for the coming of our Lord. And then, as we will celebrate soon, Christ was born of the Blessed Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem on that first glorious, long-awaited Christmas night. The incarnation of the God-man is the focal point of all history. All men from Adam to St. John the Baptist looked forward to the coming of our Lord, of the Messiah. And all men afterward, until today and until the end of the world, will look back to it. For it was the first step of our redemption. Today marks the beginning of the liturgical season of Advent, the time of preparation for Christmas, which is the feast of the coming of our Lord to dwell amongst us. The four weeks of Advent and the four candles of the Advent wreath represent the 4,000 years of anticipation and waiting for the birth of our Savior. As St. Paul reminds us in the epistle of today's Mass, now our salvation is nearer than when we had believed. Cornelius Halapide, the great scripture scholar, commenting on this verse, says, This is the time of our salvation, our justification, and our glory, the time we so anticipated when man, only by faith, was hoping for the arrival of the Messiah. St. Paul's words convey the urgency to prepare for Christmas. The time of the coming of our Lord is near, and so it is pressing that we prepare and get ready. Our Savior is our King and our beloved Lord. So when we hear He is coming, we try to do everything we can to prepare for Him and to make the way ready. His arrival is like the coming of a loved one whom we have not seen in a long time, and how we would prepare for him. We would clean the house, put up new furnishings, make sure everything is comfortable for him, dress for the occasion, and even think of what to say when he arrives, the stories we will tell him of what has been going on. But of course, the coming of our Redeemer is much more important than a relative, and the importance to prepare for His coming is all the more necessary. Practically then, how should we prepare for Christmas? 
when we go before our Lord at the particular and general judgment, we will not be judged on how many Christmas lights we put on our house, how many ornaments we fit on our tree, who made the best cookies, or who made the largest snowman. But we will be judged upon how well we've responded to God's graces. How often we said hello and how are you doing to someone who bothers us. We will be judged on how selfish or selfless we have been. For instance, when we are shoveling the sidewalk, do we go to the exact edge of our property and stop there? not willing to lift a finger for our neighbor out of charity? Or do we shovel at least a little of our neighbor's property? We will be judged on how much effort we put into our work, doing the job we do not like with enthusiasm and without wasting time, how generous we are with obeying our parents and our boss, and the little things just like put that away, it's time for dinner, it's time for the rosary, or get out of bed. The way we ought to prepare for Christmas is as the children do in the schools. Sacrifices are our offerings. They are the gifts to the baby Jesus on his birthday. We might be making a list of presents we want to give this person and that, but we need to start storing or stashing a storehouse of gifts for our Lord, whose birthday it is. We know something is a good sacrifice when we realize this hurts or this stings my pride. These are the real sacrifices, and that's when we need to put a little bow on the action and give it to our Lord for Christmas. In this way, we are filling the manger with hay. We are pleasing to him, and we soften the hard, splintery wood of his crib. If we carry this out through our Advent, we will have no greater satisfaction than to wake up on Christmas with the knowledge of the successes and the true sacrifices we have made these four weeks for our Lord's birthday. Let us then put away our pride and our preconceived ideas. Let us become as simple children who have the true spirit of Advent and the one goal of pleasing the Christ child. Let us draw closer to the nativity scene and closer to our blessed mother and fill with hay the manger of our Lord. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.